0: So um, the next week, uh, they came back, and he, and he preached it again. He preached the same sermon three weeks in a row, and there was a special meeting of the leadership. And uh, they sat him down and they said, hey, um, we noticed that you preach the same thing three Sundays in a row. And we're a little concerned. And he said, so what's your plan for next week? And he says, I'm planning on preaching the same sermon again next week. And they said, why? He says, well, I, I don't want to be responsible for the fact that you guys aren't living it yet. And so I'm going to keep on preaching the same thing until you start living it right. We just finished the Sermon on the Mount. The red letters of Jesus Christ. And yet, I just felt like we needed to go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And we needed to take a look one more time at the Beatitudes today. I just felt like it was something that we needed to do. Jesus Christ preached this incredible monologue. And I don't know about you, but every time I read it through, I'm, I feel like so inadequate. And he challenged us at the end that narrow is the road that leads to life and wide is the road that leads to destruction. And so I wanted to remind you of how he wants to bless us. And how he started this sermon. So if you will listen along, I want to read from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 3. As we take one more look, and we go back to the Beatitudes today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And if Jesus would have been willing to he could have put a parenthesis in that the prophets and me you see christ isn't asking us a different experience than he took on himself and so we found that that there were two ways that this was spoken of or it was described as you read on in the passage it tells us first that you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. And so the first thing that we were reminded of when we take a look at this idea is these attitudes or these blessings or these favors that God wants to give us that are found in the Beatitudes, they are given to us so that we can be salt. And salt is what helps preserve things around us i don't know if you what your experience is right now but i turn on the radio and it smells a little rotten i i turn on the tv and it smells a little rotten because there's so little of god in these things anymore and god has called us to be kingdom people not eventually but today And that's the part that I think that we get wrong sometimes, is we get so caught up in the fact that someday we get to be in heaven with God that we forget that he's building the kingdom now. That's what Jesus Christ said over and over again. If you read through the big book of Matthew and other places, he says this, The kingdom of God is here. He didn't say it will be here after I die and then there will be this long church period followed by a rapture and some other things will go on. Then there will be a millennial kingdom of a thousand years and then the kingdom will be here. He didn't say that. He says the kingdom is now. And we need to remember that we're called not to be kingdom people eventually we are called to be kingdom people now. And the first thing that we can do as kingdom people is we can offer some salt in our culture. We can help persevere. we can bring some perseverance to our culture. Because it's rotting. And it needs that. The second thing that it said in this passage is that not only do you have salt, and, but you have light. And light perceives you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all house i don't know if you've heard about this but in all of the different things they're thinking about doing in lake placid there is this initiative to help our community have less light at night so we can see the stars better have you heard of this? Yeah, there's an initiative. It's happened in other places. And there are people in our community that are looking into that. And so they want us to do things. They want us to get a different kind of porch light that won't have so much light. And they, they want us to have different kinds of street lights that won't have so much light. And at night they want the signs outside to have a different kind of light. Now, I don't know what you think about this, but I don't want to go down the street that has less light, do you? You know? A couple times in my life, I've been driving late at night, and it's just, I'm alone and I'm on a highway, and just for a second, I turn my headlights off. And then I think this is so stupid, and I turn them right back on. God's called us to be light in this world. Because there's darkness in this world, and darkness never wins over light. And God is calling us to light the world. You know, every couple of years, Nancy decides that it's time to take the stove and pull it out and clean behind there. It's amazing what ends up behind the stove, isn't it? But what's scarier isn't when you pull it out and it's your dirt. What's scarier is when you pull it out and it was somebody else's dirt. God is calling us once in a while, not meaning to, but just in being the light of the world, we kind of uncover the dirt of the world. We, we show the reality of what the world is like. That's this thing that God wants us to do. God wants us to be salt and God wants us to be light. But there are times that if we're really honest, our salt is staying in the shaker, and it looks like salt, but it isn't. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where there's been a kid there before you, and they've switched the salt and the sugar? Sugar just doesn't taste the same on a french fry. Salt does not help a cup of coffee at all god is calling us to be these things he goes on and about in uh, talking about light and he said this in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven there's two things that should take place because we are the light of the world people should see what we do we don't have to live a secret life There isn't something that we're hiding, so it's okay for us to turn the light on our lives because there isn't something there that we don't want people to see. We want people to see our good works. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to tell them about our good works. That doesn't mean we have a wall with plaques about our good works. What it means is that they just watch our lives and they know who we are. But the second thing that it does is it brings glory to someone else. I can remember when we were helping with the children's game and the lady that was the director of the children's game at the end of it, she said, I want to thank you for being here and helping us and being a part of this every day. She says, this might sound really crazy, but you are our rock. And I thought, no, that doesn't sound crazy because I stand on the rock. And I know the rock personally. And his name is Jesus Christ. And somehow us being here, not humming hymns while we're here, but just simply being helpful allowed you to bring glory to something greater than you even realized. So the question is what are the characteristics of salt and light? And the answer is the Beatitudes are, right? The Beatitudes give us for vertical qualities or attitudes that are true of a relationship with god and they also give us for horizontal ones that talk about how we treat each other and so as we talk about this narrow road that we are supposed to walk as we think about this i want you as an individual today to be realizing that this isn't a checklist this is a mercy list This is an incredible transformation. You you can't buck up and be the Beatitudes. You just can't. But God does this transformation inside of us. And this is the narrow road that we talked about at the end. This is what it looks like in our lives. So let's talk about the first ones. The ones that are between God and ourselves. In verse 3 it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I remember being poor at different times in my life. Have you been that way? I remember pulling nickels out of my pocket and they kind of blink because they haven't seen the sun for a while. I remember saving up for silly things. But that's not the kind of poor that we're talking about here. We're talking about being poor of spirit, of realizing our inadequacies. Probably the best example of that was Peter, who after he caught more fish than he'd ever caught before, he he knelt down in the bo- boat and he he looked up at God and what did he say? Get away from me, Lord, for I'm a ma- I'm an unclean man. Isaiah in chapter six, he saw the Lord and he realized. That he was undone. That he was aware of his sinfulness. The thing that's the scariest in society today is people are no longer aware of their sinfulness. And yet there is something that happens inside of each one of us where we realize that we're poor, that we're inadequate before God. And that's hard. You know, it's hard to be needy, isn't it? Well, we, we, we live in a society that's, that's drawn to these phrases like, fake it till you make it, right? Even if you really don't know what you're doing, you've got to pretend like you know what you're doing. Uh, I can remember starting up small groups in our church in Florida, and we thought maybe 150 people would get involved, and we ended up with 650 people wanting to be in small groups. And after we'd been meeting for a while, I wanted to have a meeting of all the leaders. And I met with my leaders and I said that they were helping me lead it. And I said, I think we need to be honest and tell them that we don't completely know what we're doing. And they're like, oh no, we can't tell them that. We've got to fake it till we make it. I didn't listen to them. I got up and I said, hey, we're on a journey we've never been on before. We're going to make some mistakes. We probably already have made some. We're just figuring this out. None of us have ever done this before. Will you stumble and fall with me? And do you know what the people said? Of course we will, Pastor. We said some things weren't right, but we didn't know what to say. <laughs> You know, it isn't about faking it till you're making. It's about being needy instead of being independent. You know, we learn independence from the, the youngest of age, don't we? Some of you have grandchildren, and they've entered into the I'll-do-it-myself era, right? That ends when they die, right? But the first thing that's true of people on the narrow road is they realize... That they are needy they're poor in spirit you know why that's so important it's because of that cross over there see you don't need the cross if you're not needy but god gives favor to those of us who realize that we needed a savior and asked him to be a savior and of to those oh, i'll figure it out on my own it's between God and ourselves. We see that in verse 4 too. It said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we, we take this verse, and we, we usually just quote it at, at funerals, and I think it's appropriate there. But the word mourn actually means troubled, bothered. Blessed are those who are troubled and bothered, who who have this thing inside their soul that kind of shakes them, that that watch certain things, that see certain things, and they trouble them. Jesus Christ modeled this. Remember when He was coming into Jerusalem just before they were going to crucify Him? And He said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, that I could put you in my hands like a mother. Remember that? But you wouldn't have it. I think that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there are a lot of things that are going around us that should trouble us a lot more, not because of what politically we believe, but just because we're gods. It should trouble us. It should trouble us that for, for almost 50 years we've killed millions and millions and millions of babies. That should trouble us. It should trouble us that there are so many ways that we manipulate people and we try to do things instead of just helping them do what is best and right for them. There are many things that should trouble us. And the thing that's true is if you truly take these things back to God and you say, God, you've opened my eyes and I can now see what you see and I can feel what you feel and and will you comfort me? Because how do you do this, God. When we become a part of the kingdom and we're on the narrow road, that doesn't mean that there aren't mirrors and there isn't a big windshield and we can't see what's going on. We're we're not some kind of ostriches with our heads in the sand. We are wide open and wide-eyed and we see and feel things that we have never felt before. In other words, we should be troubled. The world is just angry about everything. Have you noticed that? They're angry, and then they say this: "Never again." Well, we can't say that. This influence of God means it's going to happen again. We don't want any capitalism at all because there are greedy people. Well, you know, I don't want socialism because there's lazy people. You know, it's there's one or the other. You know, there's 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 this balance to these things, and we live in an angry world, and they're really angry right now. You want to listen to angry? Turn on public radio for a while. Oh, they're just freaking out. They are so angry. But so is Fox and CNN and NSB, you know, and Wall Street Journal and USA Today. They're all angry. But God hasn't called us to be angry. He's called us to be troubled so that he can comfort us in the midst of this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The word meek is an interesting word because it rhymes with weak. But the word here is probably more specifically the word humble. That's when you have the power and God restrains it in you. You know, we live in a world that that we have to humbly go before God over and over again and say, I I can't believe that you supplied all this for me. I can't believe this. You know, remember the that in the middle of this was something called the Lord's Prayer, which isn't supposed to be the words we say, but the model that we follow. And what does it say, give us this day our daily bread? Are we not blessed, people? I don't know how God has done it, but through COVID, he has blessed this little church in ways that you can't even imagine. You know, we just asked for enough oil in the jar, and he keeps on giving us an extra jar. He is, he is taking care of this little body. Who would have thought that, oh yeah, now that the world shut down, that God would pay off the house? You see, there's a big difference between humbly realizing that God gives us every good thing, and feeling entitled, and I deserve this. A couple elections ago, the promises were so great in the election that I read a comment later on that the person, one of the people was upset because they still does not have a cell phone, even though they had voted for somebody. Like somehow those two things went together. But we live in an entitled world. We live in a world where they, they say all kinds of crazy things. People expect that they should be treated a certain way, even though they don't treat other people. And sometimes in their great anger, they go to God and they point their finger in His face and say, I deserve better than this. And God says, you do? But God has called us to be humble. And so here's the first four characteristics. And one more characteristic. Blessed are those who are hunger hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, this is one of the hardest things for me to figure out in my Christian life. Is I was so used to feeding my hunger in all different kinds of ways that I didn't realize that God was building into me a new hunger. And so there are still times that I get tripped up in this. And I think that the praise of men is what I need instead of to praise my God. Uh, there are times that that uh, I get this mixed up, and 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 in my hunger, I think I'm hungry for food, and God is saying, "No, I, I'm giving you a hunger for my Word." There there is a sense that, without realizing it, Satan is always trying to twist my flesh, and my flesh itself is trying to twist itself to meet these needs of a hungry soul, and the soul can only be satisfied by God, but we have to realize that the beauty of being blessed is that we're hungry. That's why it's never, you know, I can remember one of my children named Stephen, I'll give his name, uh, I, I challenged him to read through the Bible, and he read the whole thing, and I said, well, now you start again. He goes, why? I've already read it. That's why even in your daily quiet time, you can't have one and go, well, now I'm done with that now. His mercies are new every morning, aren't they? And His Word, even though we, we look at it over and over again, it's it's new to us every day. And God gives us this sense that even though He gives us more than we need, He constantly gives us a hunger to know Him more. but we choose self-reliance instead of hunger so much of the time oh i'm not hungry you know i know people that don't go to bible studies because they're afraid that they'll sound goofy and instead of sharing hunger with other people around the table they'd oh i got to show that i've got it together you know, I had one man go to come to me. Um, I, I was a part of him being led to the Lord, and he says, "Okay, I need the short course on Christianity. So before I start going to these Bible studies, I know what in the world people are talking about. Can can you lay it all out maybe in maybe an hour or two so I get it all?" It was an interesting exercise to try to think of what's the important stuff in the story, but this, there's too many stories, aren't there? There's too much to unpack. You can't just shove it in. There's no such thing as Reader's Digest condensed faith, is there? No. But our self-reliance gets caught up and we forget that it's okay to be hungry and poor and needy. Here's the summary. In our relationship with God, God must see us as needy, bothered, humble, and hungry. But we have taught ourselves that we must be independent, angry, entitled, and self-reliant. So very different. The next part of the Sermon on the Mount talks about our, our, our horizontal relationships between each other. And he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And we know this to be true. Um, you know, this is sowing and reaping. The the modern word for this is is karma. But it was sowing and reaping before it was karma. Billy Graham used to say that he's prayed for young people who decided to sow wild oats in their youth and then began quickly praying for crop failure. (laughs) But we realize and know that this is the truth. Either we can be compassionate or we can be judgmental, right? We have been shown mercy, therefore we give mercy. And, and yet we don't live in a world like that, do we? we? We live in a world that's very different than that, that's caught up in all kinds of little sound bites and corrects each other instead of trying to really hear what the other person is trying to say. And, and there is just that sense that so much of the time, I don't know how it is in your life, but in my life, I want people to listen to me, not talk to me. I, I want to be heard, not just told. Does that make sense? And compassion is this ability to keep on asking questions and let people's lives gush all over us. And to weep when they weep. And to laugh when they laugh. And to care about them. People need that. Let's be honest. We need that. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The pure in heart speaks of a sincerity. It speaks of a singularity. The opposite of a pure in heart is somebody that's double-hearted or double-minded. We understand this in relationships, don't we? Do you want to have sincere friends that you truly trust? Or do you want people that are always forked tongue in what they said? Do you have friends that are like man? Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna always spend time with you because I know how you talk about other people, and if I'm with you, maybe you won't talk that way about me because I'm afraid of being away from you. There is a sense that God is calling us. He wants to bless our lives by the sincerity and the truth that we stand for. Remember, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And truth isn't an idea, it's a person. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be known by our sincerity and by our truth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. We definitely need peacemakers today, don't we? Do you know what peacemaking is tied to? It's tied to gospel feet in Scripture. Ephesians talks about that, right? And that means that in the process of giving people peace, we're probably going to upset them because the real peace they need isn't just to be heard. The real peace they need is to meet their God and to experience the peace that He gives. That, that's the reality, isn't it? We used to sing a song in youth group, it was like this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way, right? But I think that we take that cross and we turn it into a question mark instead of realizing that that is always the place for answers. And people need Jesus. I've been meeting with some people in the community and uh, they have some challenging things that they're going through. And and I know what the answer is. The answer isn't just money and getting their way. Their answer is their soul and them giving it to Jesus. You see, we have two choices. We either have reconciliation or we have amb- ambivalence. And we live in a world that, that says ambivalence, they, something like that. This is your truth and this is my truth and that that's okay. That's ambivalence. You believe what you want, I'm going to believe what I want. What they're really saying is I really don't give a rip about what you believe in because this is what I believe in. So let's just stop talking about it because when you talk about what you believe it makes me mad. You see we want reconciliation for people. With their God because we know the joy of that. How many of you feel like, I, I wrote it in, in our little latest little update, but how many of you find that even though COVID's a crazy thing, you live in peace today? I do. Do you know why I live in peace? Because my life isn't built on regulations and, and what's gonna, who's gonna take care of me. My life is built on the rock. And there is a peace that that doesn't even make sense to me someday that I walk in. It says this, Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It goes on and talks about that more. It said, Blessed are are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. the hardest thing about this is sometimes they're twisting the truth. You know that isn't true. You know that I'm not like that. I can't believe they said that about me. But but that's been going on since the beginning. When when Satan asked Eve, the snake asked Eve about the one thing they couldn't do, she made it worse, didn't she? She says we can't eat from that tree. We're not even supposed to touch it. Is that what the word said? No, it just says, Don't eat it. We always make it worse, we always twist it. But blessed are those. It goes on and it says this it said, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I usually don't speak against other ministers or other ideas, but there is this whole health and wealth idea that says that if you love Jesus, everything will get better and easier. And do you know what the problem with that is? It doesn't line up with Scripture. Do you know who is the one person that's disqualified from being a part of the kingdom, if that's true? The king of it. Nobody spoke clearer than Jesus. Jesus. And was more misunderstood. Nobody loved greater than Jesus. And was more hated. Why are we surprised? You see the reality is this. We're going to have to be aggravating sometimes. Now some of you can be more aggravating than is necessary. Okay? But occasionally we're going to have to be aggravating. Because if we're not we're just like the world. I, I always go back to this story of poor Zach, who came to youth group and and he said, and he, I said, "Why are you here?" He says, "Well, because uh, because Angela questioned my salvation." I said, "What do you mean?" She says, "Well, we're both in the band, and something really bad happened in, in band, and so the Christian kids got together to pray, and 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 I, I wanted to join the circle, and Angela looked at me and said, "Why in the world are you here?" He says, I'm a Christian. He's in, and, he, and Angela went, There is no way you're a Christian. I know you. You see, he was worldly at that time. He wasn't aggravating, he was worldly. He got called out by a 15 year old and showed up in church and rekindled his relationship with the Lord. In our relationship with others, we must be seen as compassionate, sincere, reconciling, and aggravating. Do you know what that sounds like to me? Parenting. (laughs) Doesn't it? Because we really want what's best for this other person, and sometimes they just won't have it. But the world does it this way. It's judgmental, double-minded, ambivalent. And it's worldly. You see, God's called us to be different. And that's the challenge this morning. This is the narrow road, people. This is what God has called us to. He's called us these things. And here's the reality about it. Blessings are all on two time frames. If you take a look at it, there's some verses that say is and some verses that say shall so some of them are now and some of them don't come right away. And I think that I, I think that if you're like me, I like an immediate payoff, don't you? The thing that I'm finding a little frustrating with my love of woodworking is it's fun to cut the pieces, but then you have to sand them. And then you sand them some more, and then you have this beautiful piece of wood that you're all excited about, and you put stain on it, and it blotches. And it's and and You know, and then so you have to sand it all off so you can restain it. You know, it's it's a lot there isn't an immediate payoff. Life is like that too. You see, the now says this blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? That's a now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, either in our live stream or in this room today, if you don't know Jesus now, you can have a relationship with Him. And now you can have the kingdom of God. But if you don't acknowledge that you are poor in spirit and that you have sinned and and rebelled against your God, you can't have that relationship. At some point in your life, for every person that I know that has a relationship with God, they had to humble themselves and say, I need a Savior. I can no longer be self-reliant. This could be your moment. You could ask the God of heaven right now to be your personal savior and the now of the kingdom would happen right now. John 1:12 says if you believe him he gives you the right to be a son or a daughter of God. But that's the now. It's as simple as a prayer. You could bow your head right now and repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me to live on the narrow road. Amen. You're in. That's the first now. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For those people, pleasing people like me, this is a hard one. (laughs) Because... If I'm going to be aggravating in the world, that means I am in the kingdom. <laughs> but I don't like to be aggravating. I want everybody to love me. But the most important thing is that God loves me. And sometimes I get the vertical and the horizontal mixed up. And I forget that the love of God is the most important thing. Those are the now. These are the laters. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Not always right away. Scripture not show that. It doesn't show tears and then God going there, there. It doesn't show that. But they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Maybe not right away. There are some times that the meek get mowed over. But ultimately, they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. Not right away. Maybe they will be eventually, but not right away. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Not always right away. It's not a mirror. doesn't always work that way. Because some of them sh- are shalls, and some of them are is's. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Not yet. But we will, won't we? And what will happen? We'll get to worship Him. Right there. It'll be awesome. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Now, peacemakers sometimes are called sons of other things first. Okay? But later, they will be called the sons of God. See the red letters. There is a war in our soul, a fight to have the Beatitudes become the dominant way of thinking kingdom people need to ask God to give them a kingdom mindset. They need to ask for the miracle of transformation spoken of in Romans chapter 1 and 2. And they need to stop complaining about the narrow road and just walk it. After I talked about the narrow road, I got two two te- text messages and an email and they were from individuals in the church and they said I hope we get to walk on the narrow road together. I do too. I do too. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm... the word blessed means to be favored by God. We would love to seek your favor and we thank you for your son who died to make it possible. God, there's a war going on inside of our soul every day. Our flesh wants us to choose the world's options. And yet your spirit whispers better options every day. And so, God, help us. Help us to listen to your spirit, help us to do what he says. God, I don't know what that one or two things is that you're calling your people to do today. I don't know where you need to narrow the road because they've let it be too wide. I don't know what, which, which reminder they need today of your favor. But God, we pray for courage, a listening ear, and the ability to do exactly what you called us to.